Hello, and welcome to Spotlight On, the podcast that brings together business leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts covering a range of topics. I'm Nicholas Barton, founder and CEO of the Barton Partnership. We're an award-winning executive recruitment and consulting solutions firm, providing permanent search and independent consulting services across strategy, sustainability, and M&A, data and analytics, and transformation and change. Today's guest is Sonia Davis, CEO of luxury tour operator Scott Dunn. Sonia joined the business as Chief Operating Officer and was appointed CEO in 2018. Before that, she was Chief Commercial Officer at private aviation company NetJets and European Change Director at product distribution firm Cisco. Sonia began her career as a strategy consultant at the Parthenon Group, followed by Bain & Company. Sonia, thank you for joining us today. Really good to see you. Um, so let's start with the first question. What are the main challenges and opportunities you see for the travel and tourism industry as we enter um, <laughs> this great period that we're in now, this recovery period? That's a good question, Nick. Um, I'd say it's an oft-repeated phrase that there is real pent-up demand for travel. But people will move at their own pace. Um, some people are desperate to travel and some people are still not yet comfortable to, to leave their homes. Um, but we really are seeing that pent up demand in all of our markets, which for us is the UK, the US and Singapore. But with different restrictions in different markets, it means it can take some time before that pent up demand actually comes to fruition. I actually think that the rebound for travel and tourism is going to be just as challenging as the close down was, but in quite different ways. So many parts of the travel and tourism supply chain had to retrench, be it travel agents, airlines, hotels, guides. And the industry itself has actually seen a loss of talent as some people have simply fallen out of love with travel and tourism because it's actually been you know, a pretty challenging 15 months for everyone. But as things do come back and we're seeing that already, there's always opportunity. Um, we continue to stay actively engaged with our customer base throughout the pandemic. We restarted our outbound calling program in June last year, and we've seen that to be hugely popular with our guests, just loving the fact that we're staying engaged. We're keeping us top of mind for when they're ready to return to travel. We continue to invest in our CRM program, our SEO program, all of those sorts of things so that we stay front and center of mind when people are ready to book and to go on holiday again and the reality is we already have lots of our guests with holidays on the books for the future so we know that um, you know we want to get them on their holidays so they can then book book the next trip but unfortunately there have been names who haven't made it through the pandemic and some much loved firms have sadly had to close so that also in turn does mean opportunity um, both because there's people looking for new new jobs suppliers looking for new partners and guests looking for new companies to work with so i think there'll also be opportunity for the businesses who've been able to stay in business you know as we get into this uh, infamous recovery paid place as well the other opportunity for the industry is continue the progress on the concepts of responsible business. There was a lot of talk um, pre-COVID, certainly in travel and tourism, about the importance of sustainability. Um, and I think that that is still, still here. It hasn't gone away. 
I think what has shifted, though, it's not just about environmental sustainability. It's also about communities. So many dollars from travel and tourism make their way into the community. And that has really, really suffered through this pandemic. So the concept of responsible business, I think, for our industry is not just going to be about environmental sustainability, but supporting those communities in which we we send our people and in which we work, as well as the topic of diversity and inclusion, which is something that um, I think all businesses regardless of whatever sector we're in, um, have got to continue to focus on as we go through this COVID recovery phase. So with that in mind, are you expecting a busy second half to 2021? And and, and already are you taking, I would imagine, and I've heard this, that even the cruise lining industry are fully booked now for the next two years, so 2022, 2023. But is there still a hesitation in the market regarding bookings at the moment? Or are you expecting, you know, as more countries come onto the the, the green list from the amber list, are you expecting a a stronger second half in terms of bookings uh, for travel? Um, So... We've seen it it goes up and down like the proverbial yo-yo, and it is so heavily impacted by the messaging in the media and also what um, the government is saying. So as the government, you know, puts up the barriers and the flags about at one point they were saying it was illegal to book a holiday, which was frankly quite ludicrous. Um, They made it illegal for you to go on a holiday, but it didn't stop you booking a holiday. Um, So we've had people continue to book and seen decent demand throughout the pandemic. But as the, um, you know, our our favourite traffic light system has started to kick off, we are seeing, you know, the demand skews itself in the short term towards those green list destinations. But those peak travel periods for school holiday periods, for festive holiday periods and things like the the migration in Africa, those peak periods are getting booked up and are already booked up. But also COVID has also meant that some of the places people love to travel to have increased their restrictions on the number of people they'll allow to go. So be it Machu Picchu, be it the number of gorilla permits that Uganda and Rwanda will allow to be sold to go and visit the mountains gorillas so we are seeing that there's you know these peak periods of travel or these special places to go um yeah they are they are absolutely getting booked out as the vaccine rollouts do pick up pace around the world and as restrictions ebb and flow yes you know demand will will continue to pick up and what we saw last year at each point that travel restarted from the from our core UK market, our guests just wanted to get on planes and go. So I do think when people can travel, they are traveling. And I think we'll continue to see that over the second half of this year. And is it fair to say that if the government messaging is clearer and obviously the vaccine rollout continues, are there any other aspects you feel that would help increase consumer confidence around the travel and tourism space other than those two points? So I think what we've seen since the start of the pandemic is the the hoteliers and, and the places you go and visit have got their COVID protocols down. I mean, they know what they're doing. They've been doing this since, you know, May, June last year. So I don't think that's a worry for anybody. I think one of the bigger things that, um, along with the government, et cetera, that could make the difference is making the admin side of this slicker. So the World Travel and Tourism Council has been lobbying and speaking about a common standard for um, showing you have a negative test result on, you know, to make it reduce fraud, but also make it quicker for that test result to be um, assessed when you cross borders. Um, And things like vaccine passports, there's a lot of um, talk about should they happen, should they not. Um, 
passports for vaccinations are nothing unusual in travel. Um, and again, if we can better utilize common standards of technology across borders, that will make the administrative side of going on on a holiday so much easier. The admin is complex. There's no denying that at the moment. The admin required to leave somewhere, to enter somewhere and then come back. Um, there's quite a few steps to go through. And I think that's where, you know, working with um, people like us and other travel um, agents and tour operators, we're there to help you through that. Um, but I think a big game changer could be better utilization of technology and have the governments work together on those technology standards. Um, the industry isn't waiting. You've got different trials and pilots going on from airlines, from airports, um, by different countries. But I think if we had a, a standardized way of, of you know, assessing test results and showing proof of vaccination, that, that would be a huge game changer. So are you anticipating any new trends coming out um, of COVID with regard to um, travel and tourism, whilst the lockdowns are fully lifted, do, do you expect sort of people to think differently about not only how they book holidays, but where they book holidays? Um, whilst the pandemic is still ebbing and flowing, um, I think people will want to travel for longer and more meaningfully, just simply because it is more complex and there's quite a few hurdles to be overcome. It's harder to contemplate at the moment that two-day city break when you've got all the hurdles to come to, to jump through. But I think those will come back on the agenda once those restrictions do fully lift and the administrative burden is lessened. Um, I think we are going to see people throughout this pandemic have realized what's really important to them. So I think that will flow through into how they think about their holidays. For some people, it is about just escapism, going to the big open spaces, be it um, that ranch trip to Montana or going on safari. For others, they want to get back into the cities, to the museums and the cultural aspect. Others, it'll be taking those big multi-generational family groups um, on those trip of a lifetime because they haven't been able to spend that time with their extended family. So I think people will think more about what they want to do and, and how they want to spend that leisure time. But everyone's different. So I think what you'd want to do, Nick, will be completely different what, to what I'll, I'm going to want to do. I, I mean, I definitely want to do that Montana trip. To 100%. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, and so uh, people will travel differently. So you think they'll travel further and, you know, you know trips will be longer, um, it, certainly in the short. Do you see it levelling back to normality? And But by normality, I mean pre-COVID trends of holidays, or do you think this, this could be set going forward? I wear two hats on this one, Nick. Um, for our industry, I think we have seen huge drops in volume. So to get back to pre-COVID levels for our industry would be great. But I do think, you know, we've you've seen examples such as um, Thailand, where there was huge volumes of tourists going that the turtles have returned to the beaches of Thailand because there haven't been the tourists. So I think it would be wonderful if we could keep some of the benefits that we've had where certain of the environments um, have been able to be restored um, by the reduced footfall that tourism can, can bring. And seeing Venice, even though they've had no cruise ships stop in, in Venice for, for 15 months, they've decided they can't come in 
in the future because they want to protect the lagoon. So I think um, it would be great to see the volumes return, but it would also be good if we can learn some of the lessons of over-tourism um, and sustainability that I think have come to light um, throughout the pandemic. Absolutely, absolutely. So Sonia, clearly, obviously, this, without question, this has been challenging for all business leaders across all industries, uh, regardless of size of business. But for someone who's been leading a travel and tourism company, to tell me about sort of your experience as a CEO. Can you share some of the changes that you've made within your business and how this has impacted your workplace culture over the last 15 months? Pretty much everyone in my shoes, not just in travel and tourism, but in so many businesses um, across multiple sectors, we had to make some difficult decisions and make them quickly. So my philosophy taught to me by someone I used to work with was measure twice, cut once. So when we went into that drastic shutdown and close down, you know, we utilised all the government support packages we could um, in all of our markets. But then, yes, we did go through a, a significant restructuring of our business. First time really in the business's history, um, we reduced our headcount by over 40 percent. So not small. Um, but I was determined to do it once so that I didn't have to keep coming back because we didn't know how long that pandemic was going to last. So that in itself does cause a huge change in a business. As we've come through that, we did that last summer. Um, we've also been working remotely, but we've, we're now coming back into offices, but we've introduced a much more flexible way of working. So it's not back to five days a week in the office. It's three days in the office, two days at home. That's the model we're trying to move to, which is hugely supported by our teams who've enjoyed getting that um, extra time with families, with loved ones to do their own exercise and not have the commute. Um, we've also seen because we've had to become a smaller team um, and we've had understandably some knowledge gaps and some capability gaps which appear the cross office and cross team collaboration has never been greater and we introduced um, a whole series of secondments so whilst my sales team didn't have much selling to do um, we were doing lots of postponing we had lots of work we wanted to do in marketing so we did some secondments into marketing into looking at our responsible travel policies into our finance team and we've helped people develop new skills and interestingly, some of those comments are now turning into permanent roles um, as people have gone, do you know what? I really like finance. I really like the analysis. There's a vacancy I'd like to apply. And so we're, we're finding that we're developing our talent better because people aren't sitting in their silos so much. So I think that has also changed our culture. And people are, mu are working much more as a team. And I think that's been one of the silver linings through all of this is I feel we're much better, um, closer, more functional team than we were before COVID. That's amazing. That's fantastic. So let's talk about sort of what you've learned uh, as a leader then specifically. What has what the pandemic taught you about leadership, about your leadership? Can you share some insights about your own style? Has it, obviously, we, as, as a leader myself, I've had to adapt. Well, I, we've all had to adapt. How have you adapted? What, what changes have you noted in your own style of leadership over the last 15 months? So the first thing that I quickly figured out um, after I had the why me moment, I was like, "What? why me? What have I done to be leading a travel business when, you know, yeah. the biggest challenge in, in travel's history, in recent history hit? And I quickly decided, you know what, 
I've had this privilege to lead this business before the pandemic, and I'm going to do my damnedest to lead us through this business. So I quickly put the why me hat down and just, you know, frankly got on with it and said, I'm going to do the best job that I can in a situation I've never been in. My personal style um, is not to be front and center. I'm a relatively quiet individual, but leading from the front has never been more important, um, especially when you go into something that is so unknown and frankly, so frightening for most of our people in our industry, not knowing what on earth was going to happen. So for me, it was very much do what I would normally do, which is set the strategy, set the plan, because um, that's what, you know, that's my my, my strong skill set. But it was also about get in front of it, get out there, communicate. And my approach has always been to communicate openly and honestly about where we're at. I always said to the team, when I've got something to tell you, I'll tell you. Um, I'll answer anything you can, but there's some things I just don't have any answers to yet. And it's been just dialing up the communications much more than would probably be my natural style. And I'm just keeping that going throughout um, this last 15 months. I also believe, um, and this is how I've behave through COVID that as leaders, we need to show we're prepared to get involved in all things, especially some of the hardest things. For our business, one of the hardest things has been not just the the impact on our own people, but dealing with our guests through the first part of the pandemic in particular. So, you know, I've dealt with the angry guests. I've been on the phones. I've, you know, it's not just been our frontline sales team. I am the escalation point and I don't shy away from that. And I do believe that as leaders, when you're in situations and you're asking your teams to move mountains, you've got to be in there and move them with them. So, sorry, when you reflect on, I guess, the last 12, 15 months, hindsight's obviously an amazing luxury we wish we all had. Is there anything you would have done differently? Is there anything uh, you would have done in a slightly different way, in a better way, when you reflect on that time? There are things every day I could do better. Could and should we have considered the impact on mental health and well-being sooner than we did? Yes. Could we have communicated more clearly to guests at times? Yes. There's always things we could have done better. But I'm also a firm believer in you you get on with the hand that you're dealt. And, you know, I had a hand that I had coming into COVID and I had to make the best of it. So I truly do believe that the actions we took and the plan that we followed were the right ones for the business. And that plan was based on what was in our control, what we could influence, but also understanding the magnitude of those uncontrollable external factors. And there's been so many things in this pandemic that we couldn't control our focus and what we did with our, our whole business and our teams was let's focus on what we can do and do the best with what we've got. And I think that's been our approach. And it's also been what I've tried to do as a leader is not try and take everything on that I can't change. And that's been the message that I've tried to instill in my teams because we all desperately want to do the right things make our guests happy make make our shareholders happy but there's only so many things we can control and that's what we focused on and has the board been supportive with you have you had someone that you could as you say it's well as, as we know it's, it's 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 typically quite lonely in the top and i would argue it's particularly been quite lonely during covid etc if you had someone that you could engage with as a, as a as a mentor as a coach has the board been supportive yeah. Um, so we 
We have a great senior management team. Um, we're a small team, smaller than we were pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, and how we've worked through this pandemic is we've played to our strengths, almost irrespective of what your job might say you're supposed to do. We've made sure that we've played to each of our strengths through this period, um, which I think has been part of how we've navigated it as well as we have. In terms of, you know, me, myself, I have to work incredibly closely with um, my CFO. Um, and in the first half of the pandemic, I worked with an interim CFO, a fantastic woman called Carolyn Bresch. So she was a huge support to me. Um, and my chairman, Simon McMurtry, has always been available. He has trusted me to get on with what he knows I'm good at. He knows I'm an operator, I'm a planner, I'm an executor. And then he pulls me back and out of the weeds when he sees, you know, I'm getting, you know, too caught up in things. He's been great. The board, I couldn't have asked for more support. You know, we everything's been virtual. I haven't seen any of my board members since last last April, maybe. But we've had very regular meetings, really honest, open, constructive dialogue. And again, we've utilized the different strengths around the board table. Um, not everyone's strength is finance and things like that. Other people's strength is how to communicate to customers, how to communicate to, to the team. So yeah, we've um, I've used those, those support um, from different people based on what they're really good at. Fantastic. So what does the future hold for, for Scott Dunn? And um, what does success look like for you over the next 12 months going forward? I believe the future for Scott Dunn is incredibly bright. We have a fantastic team, loyal guests, and a great set of partners that we work with around the world. And all of those factors have meant that we've done pretty well throughout this pandemic. We worked really hard pre-pandemic and throughout the pandemic to continue to refine our operating model. Um, and so we're looking ahead now to seeing our business regrow, delivering those exceptional holidays to more guests around the world, more new guests, more existing guests. And frankly, we've, we've got a plan. Success for me will be measured around some KPIs, guest net promoter score, team yeah. satisfaction, and obviously our financial KPIs. But as importantly, it's making tangible progress on responsible business, community, diversity and inclusion and sustainability. We are a small business, but we've got a big voice and I want that voice to make a real difference. Fantastic. Well, Sonia Davis, CEO Scott Dunn, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure talking to you and hearing about certainly the trials and tribulations over the last 12 months in your industry and have clearly been at the forefront of the, the main challenges. But Pleased to hear that you're optimistic going forward. And uh, certainly, I think we all, uh, certainly myself, and I suspect everyone listening to this is going to look forward to traveling again with our families and experiencing life outside of uh, our homes uh, and our immediate areas going forward. So thank you very much for your time today, Sonia. Thank you, Nick.